Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a pair of pastor scholars open up the scriptures and study them and offer insights uh, that we hope would be helpful uh, for anyone listening, but especially pastors or teachers who might be preparing sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury. I'm discipleship pastor for Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana. And my guest this week is Bud Bentz. Uh, Bud is, this is his first time on the show, but his presence has been felt many times. He is, without a doubt, the greatest uh, spiritual influence on me. He was my spiritual father in college. He's the one who, under his influence, that I made a turn to uh, study theology and do so in a uh, spiritually attuned way. I mean, he is the most important person in my uh, college years and has continued to be a major mentor in my life. So I know I'm talking all about me, but I'm saying it with reference to just him. I just love him so dearly and he's so important to me. He He's a professor of church history emeritus uh, here at Indiana Wesleyan University. So he's retired now from teaching, but uh, continues to pop in here and there doing various things and has had an influence on generations of students and ministers and theologians uh, in my denomination and many others as well. So, so grateful to have Bud. I'm so pleased that he was willing to take some time to explore Psalm 81 together. So we're looking at Psalm 81 today, if you want to turn there, but we'll read it for you if you're on the go while you're listening to this. Uh, you'll hear us read it for you as well. As you're listening to the show today, if you find yourself enjoying it, be sure to share it with a friend or post it on social media just to get the word out about the show. Uh, All you have to do is press the share button on your podcast player app of choice, and then from there you can easily uh, forward it, email it, text it, uh, post it uh, to let people know about the show. And if you'd like to support the show, just go to patreon.com slash fresh text and see ways that you can become a patron saint of the show. Thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation with Dr. Benz. All right, Psalm 81. God's goodness and Israel's waywardness. Sing for joy to God our strength. Sing joyfully to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Strike the timbrel, the sweet-sounding lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon and at the full moon on our feast day. For it is a statute from Israel, an ordinance of the God of Jacob. He established it for a testimony in Joseph when he went throughout the land of Egypt. I heard a language that I did not know. I relieved his shoulder of the burden. His hands were freed from the basket. You called in trouble and I rescued you. I answered you in the hiding place of thunder. I proved you at the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you. O Israel, if you would listen to me, let there be no strange God among you, nor shall you worship any foreign God. I, the Lord, am your God, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth, and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice, and Israel did not obey me. So I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart to walk in their own devices. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways, 
I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. Those who hate the Lord would pretend obedience to them, and their time of punishment would be forever. But I would feed you with the finest of wheat, and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for these words, these words of both praise and of petition, as well as some words of revelation, moments where the Lord himself is speaking back to us. So Lord, I ask that as we're drawn into this dialogue between you and your covenant people, that we, through the name and flesh of your son Jesus, would be would be drawn in and made members yet again of your people Israel through the Messiah. And so that these words would not just be ancient words of interest to historian or words that might be of interest to the Jewish people for whom this is their mother tongue, but words even for Gentile Christians like Bud and I and many who are listening in, that we would be truly incorporated into the conversation between God and his people. And so that, that's a tall order, Lord, and so that's why we pray it. There's nothing that Bud and I can do through our own commentary to cause that kind of communion, but we hope to at least not get in the way of it and maybe even facilitate that communion mm. uh, by our conversation Amen. today on the text. So, Lord, we ask this all in the name of your Son and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. So what do you notice here? What jumped out at you as you looked at this psalm afresh? Well, you kind of alluded to it in your prayer, John. This could easily have been cut with a nice pair of scissors into two psalms. It, it seems yeah. to start in the first with, with a direction that I thought of Psalm 150, you know. Yeah, where familiar. It says, yeah. A call to worship yeah. almost. Yeah. Praise the Lord with the symbol and the all of Yeah, the, the beginning is a shout of joy, and it's all about make noise. And not to get ahead of ourselves, but what I what I see in this is the first part is make noise. The second half of the uh, psalm is a discussion of why won't you listen? It's it's, <laughs> it's all about sound. It's there's very little sight oh, re- referred yeah. in this whole thing. It's make noise in the first part, and then there's a wonderful progression that we'll see later on in terms of listening. Uh, three different kinds of references to listening that come up in the verses that follow at the second half of the psalm. What'd you find, John? Yeah, well, where's that shift take place? I, it, it's it's most obvious maybe in verse, what, six is when you really have yeah. God speaking. But already in five, there's a maybe a transitional yeah, you, verse you, there. It, and it does. they do get a nice transition there. It starts with this, sing joyfully to the Lord. And there's a reference to the full moon and the new moon in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know enough of astronomy to know that new moon is when you don't see any moon at all. Full moon when you uh, begin to see more of the moon and where it is. For the Jewish people that are on a lunar calendar, we're on a solar calendar, the new moon is the beginning of the month. Right, because so, it's actually locked on. Because then don't yeah. they have like a little like half month at the end of the year yeah. to line up the <laughs> solar and the, to put it back yeah. in together. And the full moon comes towards the middle of the sequence. 
So here, after 14 days, so, so the people looking the at this the, of the, the month. month. Okay. And then, Isn't that what month comes from? Month, the word moon's hiding in yeah, there, right? Yeah. <laughs> you got yeah. it. And, uh, and the 14th is the middle. Now, when you look at that and you begin to go back, I, I did a study a number of years ago on all of the feast of the, oh. the Passover. Well, the 14th Pentecost. of Nisan, right, is Passover, yeah, Passover. On, a, on a new moon. Right? And the 14th of, I can't tell you which month it is, it's the month of September that we have, Okay, is the Feast the, the feast of the Tabernacles. Right. That also starts on a new moon on that a 14th? Starts the, oh. It starts 14 days earlier on the new moon. It's, okay. it's called the, the Feast of Trumpets. And that's unique because look at verse 3, blow the trumpet yes. at the new moon. That's okay. the beginning of the Feast of Trumpets, which comes to its climax when you get to the end on the 14th with the Feast of Tabernacles. And we can go back into, I I don't know where to find it, it's someplace back there in Leviticus or Deuteronomy. God spells out very clearly that this is what you're supposed to do. The trumpets blow on the first of the month of what we call September. And on the 14th, everybody gets in their little tents, their little lean-tos, and they celebrate God's goodness. It's it's the end of harvest. Pentecost, John, is the beginning of the harvest. That's way back. That's in like April. Yeah, it's first fruits. First grapes that you get, you bring in and you you do this big thing. But uh, here, this is when you're getting the pumpkins and the in the squash and all <laughs> Stuff of the things that, takes that come to the end that you're going to stash away the wheat. So this sing for joy to God of our strength is all talking about the fact that God is a providing God. God will take yeah. care of us and uh, does this in this nice way. And that's where we get this verse five. He established it. Well, let's go back to four. Actually. Even four, you're right. I missed In the four. It four is a statute for Israel. You're not doing this just because, hey, it's a good day. Let's go blow our trumpets. This is, you must be keeping the ritual, the law, the commandments. So it's a statute for Israel that this you should be blowing your trumpets. It's an ordinance to the God of Jacob. Yeah, and I'll mention that. So NASB, I don't know if all of the versions... NIV doesn't have it, at least the old NIV has the for, the because, right? For mm-hmm. it is an, Isra- an ordinance in Israel, which does signal a, a transition. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a, creates a sort of rationale for what came before it. I'm just glancing at the Hebrew for fun, just for what it's worth. Because sometimes translations will just put a for in when it's just a vav that might mean that, mm-hmm. but it could just mean and, could just be punctuation. And it is, it is key. So it is for. In the Hebrew. So, so it be, is actually so a, because. a clear transition in verse 5 yep. or verse 4 in the in the English. So, yeah, no, you're right. That transition starts in, although if all you had was verse 4 and 5 and it didn't go where it goes in 6, those could go with the first because it would say, okay, here's why. Because it's an ordinance in Israel. It's a rule of the God of Jacob. A decree he declared it for Israel when he sallied forth against Egypt's hand a language I knew not, I heard. We'll talk about that last strange yeah. line later. But up to that point, those are all just kind of references to Exodus. And these were right. the first. You have to do this because God established right. this when you left Egypt. And these these weren't just like, hey, these are the three most important festivals. And they're alongside 613 other laws. The festivals are actually referenced even prior to the Exodus proper mm-hmm. Passover instructions are given, and then there's references to that they would go out in the wilderness so so that they may worship the tabernacle. The the idea of the festival is the festival in the in the narrative. The festival 
is pre-Leviticus. It's before, this isn't like atonement's a kind of later. Sure. The Yom Kippur is not, is a sort of different kind of festival. It's in Purim later. Okay. On. Yeah. yeah you're, because you sinned, we need this other <laughs> round of laws now to deal with sin. Right. But I mean, that's a simplistic way of putting it. But the point is, is the, the festivals are real, very near the center of the Exodus experience. Right. And, and they're really the, it's the way that the law is lived out by the everyday common person who hasn't memorized any scripture. And of course, vast, the vast majority mm-hmm. would have never even read a piece of scripture because they couldn't read. They may have heard it in synagogue, but let's be honest, most, a lot of people aren't paying attention. I'm just no. thinking kids yeah. playing outside or, you know, old men thinking about, you know, their back pain or young men thinking about the fight they're going to start, whatever. Anyone who the least engaged you are, everybody knows about the festivals because those yes, are right. those are events experienced by the entire culture. And while we talk the about whole the whole community, we talk about the Christian year now. There's yeah. actually a Jewish year. Yes. I mean, and it follows. And it's, it's built on it. It's a Christian year built on yeah, it, with the exception idea of Christmas, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but clearly, are. Easter, Pentecost is all built around that this logic. Type of logic. That's right. Yeah. That's right. John, you're a drummer. I, lo- I love those opening lines where you sing for joy, use a timbrel, the sweet-sounding lyre and such. I'm struck with my childhood background with another denomination, not the one that I belong to, where musical instruments were forbidden. Mm. Uh, and there still mm-hmm. are traditions which say we ought not to use anything but the human voice. And it's it's really striking to see a timbrel is not exactly a flute or a trumpet. It's mm-hmm. it's just banging. I mean, it's got a beautiful rhythm to it. I've, I've, yeah. I've used the timbrel sometimes in my worship. It's making a joyous celebration in those opening verses. Joyous because he's the God of Jacob. Why Jacob, John? Hmm. Not God of Israel. Not God of Abraham, Isaac. Uh, both times it's referred to here, it takes us to you Jacob. You get that in, in four again, don't you? Yeah. Of course, Jacob is the father of the 12 sons. I mean, he's the father of the tribe. But in this particular passage, not the reference to Abraham, not the reference to his new name of Israel. I, I suppose that might fit the choice to not introduce the parallelism, because sometimes you'll get both, God of <laughs> Jacob, God of Israel. Striking. That yeah, it's it is there. interesting. I mean, the, why that and not the others? That does fit the Exodus reference because that's when those tribes really start to function mm-hmm. as a unit is when they leave together, you know? And before um, we leave this <clears throat> bright sound that we've got, I've got to go up and, and here again, I, I value your direction here. This was written for the choir director, but it was written by Asaph. So I get the mm-hmm. idea that Asaph is a, is a songwriter of some kind, and he's sending this to the chief. Some of them say the chief musician. I think King James right. Version says it's sent to the chief musician. So somebody was assigned the task of writing this song, probably set to music because of the little sila that we see later on when we get down there. This was probably sung in some kind yeah, of way. Yeah, and the opening lines seem pretty... Sing for joy. It'd be, it'd be hard to... <laughs> So just, I was just double checking online here. So Psalms of Asaph are, there's 12. Okay. There's a random early one, 50, which mm-hmm. uh, Larissa Levisheva and I just did a couple weeks back for okay. listeners of the show. And then 73 through 83. So we're actually in a unit. Oh, yeah. Here I'm just leaping through my Bible Psalms. and there That's they are. Right. Yeah. So we did so 77 earlier this summer with Mandy, in fact. And that, that's also an Asaph. 
So, so how this been, relates to the ASAP in numbers is yeah. a open question. Yeah. Probably not related. But. So we've got the Bill Gaither of an earlier era that's put together at least 12 great songs that yeah. uh, have made it into the canon, the, the, the text for the Jewish worship. Yeah. Well, that seems like a good place to take a quick break and come back because we're going to, then it's this sudden shift to almost this right. language of prophecy and judgment. So we'll come back and look at that when we come back from a break. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with Bud Bentz, and we are looking at Psalm 81. Wow. Psalm 81. I'll read it again so it's fresh in our ears. Uh, this is from Robert Alter's translation, which I've been using for the Psalms this summer. So here goes. He makes a few different choices of translation, but we won't talk about all of them. So for the lead player on the Gittith for Asaph. Sing gladly to God our strength. Shout out to the God of Jacob. Lift your voices in song and beat the drum. The lyre is sweet with the lute. Blast the ram's horn on the new moon. When the moon starts to wax for our festival day. For it is an ordinance in Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. A decree he declared it for Israel. When he sallied forth against Egypt's land, dash, a language I knew not, I heard. I added the dash to highlight that. I, can't, I don't know how to say that, it, so I just yeah. said it. So then here, now in quotes, I delivered his shoulder from the burden. His palms were loosed from the hood, from the hod. From the straits you called and I set you free. I answered you from the thunder's hiding place. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, that I may adjure you. Israel, if you would but hear me. There shall be among you no foreign God. You shall not bow to an alien God. I am the Lord your God who brings you up from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people did not hear my voice, heed my voice, excuse me. And Israel wanted nothing of me. And I let them follow their heart's willfulness. They went by their own counsels. If my people would but heed me, if Israel would go in my ways, in a moment I would humble their enemies. And against their foes I would turn my hand. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him, and their time of doom would be everlasting. And I would feed him the finest wheat, and from the rock I would sate him with honey. <laughs> the word of the Lord. And thanks, thanks be, be to, to God. God. Yeah, so let's zoom in on this transitional phrase at the end of verse 5, and then spend the rest of the middle segment here yeah. talking about this, this this oracle, this speech that, that's given. Now, it uh, must be rather clear, John, that we change person, I mean, we change the person from third person to a first person. Yeah, this I. I, I heard. Yeah. And that seems to be a puzzle for some of the commentators to work with. 
This language that I did not know, I did a little reading on this. Oh, great. A few commentators say that it refers to Egypt, the Egyptian language, that it's it's kind of closing this this section at yeah, the end of five. Recollection that of being formed. I heard a language that I didn't know when I was there. Most of the people, and I like it when it says that the language we heard was God speaking, but but these people who had been 400 years in Egypt didn't have a clear understanding that it was God mm. that was speaking. I, it, God was telling us something, but I couldn't grab it. I couldn't grab it. And then the oracle opens up and says, all right, then I'll, I'll tell you what God was saying. Here's what it is. And then he moves this very nice first-person passage, which is speaking on behalf of God. So I like the idea that the I heard a language I didn't know is referring to God can sometimes speak in unfamiliar ways, John. Mm. Sometimes we just don't get it the first time around. How's yeah. your, what's your take on that? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm of the... One of the things I love about NASB, which you mm-hmm. read today, and that's what I, I was telling Bud on the break. Maybe you guys, listeners, it's maybe been a while since I've extolled the virtues of the NASB. But so it's the version I have like a real tiny trim line that's like really small. You know, it's it's the uh, height and width of like a cell phone, okay, almost exactly, uh-huh. and then. But thicker, obviously, because it's the whole Bible. Oh my and, but NASB, that, real onion, tiny print. Onion skin paper. Yep. Just real thin paper. I don't even write in it. It's, oh, yeah. Because it, it re- bleeds right, right through. through. And I just love the NASB because it's so like stiff and anytime so wooden, almost word mm-hmm. by word. And if there's an interpretive problem, it just leaves it. <laughs> it just leaves it there for you. You figure it out. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And then I consult others. You know, like here at my desk, I have one of these old. I mean, obviously, I've got it all on the computer right here, but I'm I'm old-fashioned. I like books. You know, I've got a version here with four versions across the page. Ah, okay. So it's Old King James, New King James, NIV, and NLT. Okay. All translations that I would never carry with me. (laughs) Right. And so with with this one is really nice because the King James decides to link it to the previous, perhaps over-influenced by the versification, which predates the King James, but is, of course, not part of the canon. The verse numbers are much, much later additions. They weren't even standardized. They were still being standardized at King James' time. That's intriguing. So that if you take those off, you might not so quickly assume which way it goes. Like if you look Mm -hmm. at it in Hebrew, you're like, there's there's no conjunction there. So they add, but thankfully in the King James tradition, they put it in italics. When they add it, that means that's not there. We're adding it to help you. So it says when he went out, you know, this he ordained in Joseph for testimony. When he went out through the land of Egypt, colon, italics, where I heard a language, italics, that I understood not. Oh, okay. So they're admitting. Egyptian language. We're guessing. (laughs) We're guessing. Yeah. Uh, Old King James follows NIV, at least the older NIV, which is in this multi-translation here that I have has where we heard a language we did not understand. So just moves it into plural, but is making the same move. NLT goes with the possibility that it is the introduction. So it says, Psalm 81, this would be like verse 5c now. But they even put a space in the text and start a new stanza with (laughs) that line. So they're ignoring the verse numbers, which is often wise. I heard an unknown voice that said, comma, then it proceeds yeah. in the oracle. Yeah. 
So I, I'm inclined actually towards the NLT choice. However, they're still having to add something. There is no that said at the end. Oh, okay. It's just in the original Hebrew is just. I heard a voice. There's not even a verb. Oh, it's well, there is a verb. Excuse me. I, I just, it's at the end. It's weird. It's a language I knew not. I heard, I heard okay. which slightly biases the reading towards the NLT take that you're attracted a, to because it, it introduces, I heard out of somewhere. Here's what I, I heard, heard a voice. Yes. Boom. That, Don't that, know where it came from. Yeah. I think that's the slightly, okay. although leaving it unexplained, it can be fun. That's what alter <laughs> does. Alter just goes dash. A language I knew not, comma, I heard, period. And then the quote starts. Closest to the Hebrew. So it leaves it unexplained. And I have a tiny preference to say, if you're translating it yourself. Yeah. You know, if, if you're going to pick a translation, well, you know, if, if your church has one that always uses, so be it. You stick with it and point this out if it's important to the sermon. If you're working on your own, influenced by these, if you can find a way to leave it so it can have both meanings, because it, it yeah. could have both meanings. It could be a Agreed. bait and switch. Like, oh, yeah, that unknown language. Well, actually, no, they were there for 400 years. The Egyptian tongue was their heart language, perhaps. Uh It's possible that Hebrew was, I mean, it's not like they were going to synagogue and hearing the Torah read every week. The Torah wasn't written yet. (laughs) So it's possible that that the Hebrew, it may have been, it probably was, there was some and kind of proto-Hebrew dialect that they were speaking up in Goshen, right. but it probably had a lot of, they probably had a lot of comfort with Egyptian tongues. And that so those very seem well. foreign to yeah. later now. This is being sung hundreds of years mm-hmm. later. So we would think of Egypt as a foreign language, language, but actually it's almost like saying, but actually no, the foreign language, language was this, this Torah nice Hebrew voice. of God. I, I like that. I like the idea that it's both. And then it's a twist. And where it's sitting know? makes it a perfect bridge. Yes. You know, it, it does flip. You can flip it. It's a coin, yeah. whichever way you want to go in terms of where it is. And then we get into this yeah, let's passage. Get into it. Oh, what it's I. It's obviously God at some point, by at least after the Selah. Yeah. Right? By verse eight on, hear, O oh my people, that I may have. Obj- I mean. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the little historical. Again, the tie back to Egypt is there in verse six where, where we go. Just to jump to what I really like about Please, this yes. sum is, is verse eight. Hear, O Israel. And some translations wow. say, listen to me. Now look at verse That's 11. That's the Shema, Deuteronomy yeah. 6. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. And then it goes to verse 11. But my people did not listen to me. Yeah. Then go to verse 13, this longing, oh, that my people would listen to me. So it starts with a, it starts with an imperative. Listen. It goes to, hey, mm. you're not listening. And then it goes to, man, I wish you were listening. I could almost see a parent here at some point where you tell your kid, now listen to this. And then all of a sudden you say, you're not listening to me, are you? And then you go, I really wish you would listen because if you would, it would make a big difference in your life. So you've got that 8, 11, 13, all of them, I imagine using the same Hebrew word that that is associated with listening or hearkening, I think is the King James version of what you have. Heed, hearken, or listen. But it, it ends with this plaintive sadness. Oh, wishing. I, I wish you would be, listen to me. So it goes, it's verse eight is the Shema. That yeah. is Shema, yeah. from, same as Deuteronomy, first word of the sentence. And then the next one is 11, 11. Right? 12 in the Hebrew. So that is also Shema, but, but there with the, ne- with the negative, right? They did so, not hear it. Va-lo, Shema. So, but not, not listen. listen. 
my people to me. And how did they do 13? And the then, Hebrew? yeah, that's what we'll look at. So 13, which is sadly 14 in the Masoretic text, the <laughs> verse numbers don't line up. So yeah. Lo, I gotta take a second. Uh, um, um, Ami, that's my people. So if, yeah, yet if my people, it's still Shema, but a different, a yeah. different, uh, a different conjugation, different vowel points. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, Shoma, Shoma. So because it's a, it's a subjunctive, I wish that they would do this, right? Right. To me, but it's always to me or to my voice. In those second two, at least, and and following. Wow, that is cool. So it is just to confirm. It is the same same Hebrew verb all three times. It all the way through. One first time as a invitation, exhortation, command. Right. Second time as a as a more of an indicative. Mm -hmm. But they didn't do it. And then the third as a wistful kind yeah, of. Yeah, I like that. Oh, a desire, I, it's, it's yearning. The heart a yearning. Too, a yearning. Yeah. That's yeah, right. A yearning. And in each case, again, just looking at it, the phrases that follow in those sequence have to do with obedience. Hear, O Israel, if you would hear, there should be no strange God among you. He takes us, takes right back to the Decalogue. Thou shalt have no other gods right. before me. If you but look at verse 11. The, also in the Shema in Deuteronomy 6. Is, yeah. The Lord your God is one, meaning love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, meaning not the other ones, right? And then you go, go to ahead, 11, yeah. my people did not listen. And then the next phrase is, and they did not, because they did not listen, they did not obey. And then when you look at verse 13, oh, that my people would listen, then they would walk in my way. So there's a hearing obedience, a, a, a listen that prompts an obedience in each of these three triads that we have down through here. I actually really like the the choice. There is a translation choice to make there, by the way, with that wistful one. Oh, really? So this word, it's it's low, but with a vav, low. Or no, it's not low. It's lu with a vav, lu. Okay. And it could mean if. Oh, if. So it could my, be a boring if they would So do back this. to the Chronicles, if my people, yeah, right. Or it could be. But it's also the word used for just oh, you know. So there's a whole. I just looked it up okay. real quick. I mean, we couldn't do it. Just the speed word study. There are 22 occurrences, and half of them it's oh that or would that would that, yeah. and the others are more conditional. Yeah, just colder, yeah. right? And I don't know. This is a psalm. My hunch is I would go with the more. The, the style of the psalm invites a little bit more of an expressive than a kind of colder yeah. choice. So it's nice that the NASB chose the the more the, expressive. The, they, they don't always do that. They often the choose little, the colder, the colder option. New Living Bible, of course, went with the uh, the oh that with the wistful. Kind yeah, of. well, I would expect that from the New Living. So I'm happy to see that the <laughs> it that went the this way. NASB. I think that's the right way to do it. Yeah. I just wanted to mention that there is an alternative. You reading, could go but the other way with that. You know, mm -hmm. even if you take the O out, it's the vibe of it. Because if God is speaking now of his people kind of in the third person, but still addressing them, obviously, almost like leaning back, oh, that my, you can almost see it like you say, talking to a kid and saying, oh, you know, after telling her to, <laughs> if to you'd, oh. clean your room, right? Clean your room. And then you come back and it's still not clean. And you say, you didn't listen. My daughter did not clean my room, right? Oh, that my, and then you can, I mean, I'm being sarcastic, but you yeah. could imagine it. Oh, that my daughter would clean her room. I would take her out for ice cream. You know, like you almost <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. say that it in the third really person. Really nice to the end. The honey in the rock kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Their the, version of ice cream. There's, yeah. yeah, there is an invitation to a reward that mm -hmm. comes to those who obey. 
But I, I jumped down to verse 8. You, you have in 6 and 7 oh, yeah. this nice little preamble, which, which takes you back to the Exodus. Oh, uh, yeah, we did skip over that. And, that uh, but kind of from God's perspective. Yeah. In before the I tell you that I want you to listen, just remember. I've delivered you I before. have delivered you. You have good reason to hear me. I relieved the shoulder of your burden. Your hands were, this one says, your hands were free from the basket. You said hod, I think. I don't even which, know what that word which, means. Oh, it's a, What's it's, that? It's a word from, I worked as a mason's helper for a summer. And you, the guy that carries the, uh, the mortar, the cement, okay. up to the bricklayer, carries it in this basket, type, or in our case, it was a bucket, but it, it's called a hod. So, so his uh, palms were loosed from the hod, which is some killer. This is the building of the pyramid. Yeah, this this is, is carrying the rocks and the This is the clearly mortar. a guy who knows too much Hebrew and is using <laughs> yeah. pretty uh, obscure yeah. English terminology. Yeah, we look at This would not be obscure to the Hebrews in the time of deliverance. They all no. knew what that was. Right? Quite honestly, John, this yeah. wouldn't be unfamiliar at all to the victims of the Holocaust. Who yes. had to carry broken rocks in baskets or you know whatever you're carrying? It, it's manual labor, tough Palms manual labor from to, the hod to load this stuff on your back. You, you so the hod is kind of the, the carrying. Hod was a big basket. Okay. It'd be the size of a laundry basket almost, okay. and you'd fill it with Oof. bricks, maybe fifty pounds, Oof. sixty pounds, okay. and it'd be on your back, and you'd carry it up the steps to the okay. pyramid, and so that you don't it. have to go back and forth twenty yeah. times. Yeah, but so it's still, just sure. but it's just past. It's just right at the possibility of right. what a bat can do. And you wear out pretty quick from that. And he, del- he relieved this. He, your hands were freed from the basket. Mm-hmm. Then he moves on out of Egypt into the, the hiding place of thunder. Is that Sinai, John, do you think? Ooh. I don't oh, know. yeah. This, this from, the, from the straits phrase, mm-hmm. from the straits you called and I set you free. That is, so that's the first line of, eight, of seven. Yeah. That's almost stock phrasing from what I understand in the Psalms for the deliverance at the Red Sea. Okay. You got- so you're in the straits. You're in a, stuck in a rock in a hard place. You called out and I, and I set you free. Got you. So that does 10. I mean, there are other six possible is, references, but that's the biggie. Six is the pyramids, the building the pyramids. Seven is the Red Sea. Uh, and then answered you from the thunder's hiding place. That's probably the giving of the law. That's yeah, the, the Pentecost. Where, yeah. So you actually have Passover and Pentecost here, even though the opening references or because it's new moon is probably you were suggesting trumpets and tabernacles. But this This actually goes a little further Mm -hmm. back in the story. And then of course, culminating and tested you at the waters of Meribah, which brings us back to the wandering years. The wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. Which then links us up with tabernacles again. Right. (laughs) I think you've got it. So just in there, you have all, all three, four lines and he's done the whole history of Mm -hmm. the deliverance. The, the Exodus is there. And there is a Selah here at the end of verse seven. Is that where it is? And yes, yes, that's where it is. And those little Selahs, we don't know what they mean. They clearly have some reference. They're, they're clearly musical or rhythmic markers, but we don't know what, or is it a rest? Is it guitar solo? What is it? Uh, and but it's an interlude of some kind. Yeah, There's something happening, it, and there. it seldom corresponds to like the content oh. breaks. They, oh. They're sometimes oh, okay. super random. Like <laughs> there's musical reasons for them that may elude us, and they often were marked on the side, so they could have gotten shifted on accident in the manuscripts over thousands <laughs> of years. Luckily, this one actually does actually give us a pause at a perfect spot. Because it really is past, a new stanza. Past tense. Yep. This is what I've Bingo. done. 
now it's present. Listen. It's one of those few sales that work. I just don't want <laughs> people to read to see how well it works and to look for that every time. Sometimes <laughs> a sale is you just don't know why it's there. Okay. <laughs> um, this one works though because there is a beat, a pause, and a new stanza. What's, now present tense. Hear, oh my people. And what's the word for admonish? How, how oh, did, is that did, verse uh, eight? Is it? Yeah, we're in eight here, and I will admonish you. I'll look it what up. you read here in your translation was was a different word. Hear, oh my people, that I may adjure you. Adjure. Obscure okay. Yeah. English word. Alter is really good with the rhythms. Okay. So he really tries to match the length of the beats oh, to the okay. Hebrew as much as possible. So it sounds really great, but he's, his word choices in order to make that work are sometimes a little obscure. But, you know, that's life. You always have to make a choice for the translation. So this is verse 8 we're looking at? Yeah. Let's take a look. Yeah, admonish. Yeah, I'll try to pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> the, so let's see. The, uh, e, yeah, the aida. Mm -hmm. The aida. I don't know the word very well. I could glance at it. We could take a look. Well, if your translator Sternly, solemnly warn, charge, bear witness, testify, record, okay. solemnly. It's got a... There's a legal tinge legal, to it. Yeah, it's got a legal setting. That's clear from just a quick glance at the 44 now, uses Now, one of the, the things I was reading, that at the, the Feast of the Tabernacles, at least once in every seven years, the law had to be read publicly ah, to the people. Okay. So this adjure would fit very well with the idea that, hey, you've been you've been listening to the law, or you're gonna listen to the law, whichever way it goes. This is important listen stuff. Up. This is this is law. You've gathered here to sing, and you are, you're singing. Yeah. Maybe for 14 days, but now it's time to sit down, you know, and hear. I mean, I can't help but think of the reforms of Josiah. Mm -hmm. in this song. He, I, yeah, oh, yeah, I don't know if that's when it was composed or not, but... You find the text and you want he, it read. You it's wonder, got to be read aloud. Yeah, yeah. the idea that... And there was there was some reunification. So the language of Jacob mm -hmm. and Israel is very important here. This isn't Judah-centric language. Because, you know, uh, Josiah, you know, yeah. tore down all those other gods up in uh, Samaria, right? He was kind of... Yeah. He, there was a, an, a brief kind of north and south reconnection, right? Am I remembering that I think right? You're right? Yeah, right. And, and, then, and the, remember, they discovered the book of the law, and the, so you could see the excitement to actually hear it read again. Because even though you're supposed to read it through every seven years, that may that may have gotten forgotten for <laughs> right. a couple generations. Second Kings seems to imply that oh, there were long seasons when those laws were not followed. And Nehemiah wants it read again. I mean, there's, there's that's the points other points that we come where. Okay. Ezra and Nehemiah was the next thing I thought of. It's yeah. another time when this psalm, if it wasn't, if it had already been composed, you can see it. Ezra's and Nehemiah's time, this would have been a very popular. It would have had a comeback, you know. But the the primary issue still seems to be the basic one of uh, back to all the way to the giving of the law on, on Sinai. There should be no strange god among you. Shall you shall not worship? Mm -hmm. I I do not understand this in our modern culture, John, of how. Israel was so constantly deviant in moving towards other gods. But this just, I mean, yeah. I'm studying judges right mm. now, and there's always this, you set up an ephod, you make an image of some kind. There's something that, that pulls you away from, from Yahweh to, to some other deity. 
that seems to be promising whatever, fertility, wealth, success. Yeah, one of the benefits of living in a kind of modern, secular Mm -hmm. or secular-ish, I wouldn't say secularist all the way, but secular-ish culture, one of the benefits is it's less pagan. Yeah. But also one of the downsides is less pagan because in a way like, yeah, like there is a kind of, I mean, the temptation to chase after other literal gods. Now we can, mm-hmm. in our third segment, explore, okay, right. is there a principle application here? Sure. But at, in a literal sense of other things claiming to be gods, actual physical idols, ephods, all those things, uh, the high towers, all that stuff, you know, the, the standing poles of Asherah and all that, right? Yeah. Okay, the question then wasn't whether there was a god, it's which god. Mm-hmm. And it's Yahweh, not these other pretenders. You know, they're either real you know, but evil or they're just fake and should be ignored. And I think all um, it would take is somebody who, uh, one or two people who were healed by praying to Baal or go. somebody becoming able to have children, becoming fertile. And all of a sudden you said, well, maybe this other Like god- you said, the Lord provides. He needs to reassert, I'm the one who's going to take care yeah, of you. Yeah, that's good, John. Because yeah. if you've... It's if you're right. If you're chasing. Pro- if you're chasing. I mean, we do the same thing with cancer treatments. Yeah. You know, you somebody says, "I found peach pits." We'll yeah. do something or whatever. You do this. We'll chase after anything that we think will give us what we want. And it's hard because you think, okay, a more secularish yeah. society. The dominant voice in culture is no. Here's your diagnosis. Yeah. Deal with it. Or, you know, here follow this path. Yeah. Maybe slightly less tempted by pagan right. options, and yet. That itself then is a threat to our faith in Yahweh, yeah. because if it's not which God, if, if it's whether there's a God, well, kind of seems like we're running the show here. It kind of seems like it's the doctors. It's yeah. not. Yeah. It's not. It's a different kind of focus that's there. But this call to stop worshiping foreign gods. And it's interesting, the word is foreigner, which would be alien. These These gods are not, they're not your other gods. These are alien gods. Yes. Alien God is good. That's a good translation. I wonder if, and maybe if you have one more comment, we'll take it. No, but, no, uh, that's it'd be it. good to come to a break in a moment here. But let me add just one little thing under the wire here. It looks like in verse 10, oh, yeah. you have a present tense. Mm-hmm. It's just a participle and is this masculine. The- yeah, it's a hiphil. So it can function when it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. It actually can be translated, you know, bring, who bring, brings you. Bringing you out of. Yeah. So the way to maybe say that that works for both is to maybe say the bringer, right? Yeah. The bringer of you out of Egypt, right? Past tense, but it's it's this perpetually present identity. This is who he is. I mean, you think of it back to the Ten Commandments, the first, and there's some ways of numbering the commandments where you say the first commandment is starts with the phrase, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, right? It is who God is, is the one who brought you out of Egypt. So all these other pretenders are irrelevant because he's the one who established this covenant relationship with you. So yeah, so what if Baal seemed to have healed your cousin, right? That's kind of <laughs> not relevant because you're the people who were brought out of Egypt. Yeah. But then that wonderful, open your mouth and I will fill it, it's just kind of thrown in there. I mean, up to this point, it's, it's, and it's been even very author, didactic and instructive. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, the- and also always couplets. This is one of the few, oh, okay. with a third line. It doesn't even, 
work. You know, when you see it, <laughs> yeah, okay. like it's pairs of I'm, yeah. it's parallel, 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 parallel. And then a third extra line with no parallel. Open your mouth wide that I will fill it, mm. which is nice to have that right there because it's going to come again at the end. I would feed you find a sweet, mm-hmm. you know, but he's already. And it sets up the contrast that. of 11 with the, butt, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, where we, where we move into this final section. Well, great. Let's take a quick uh, break and then come back and explore some sermon starters. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with our guest, Bud Benson. We've been looking at Psalm 81. Psalm 81. Well, let's explore some sermon starters. Where would you run with this? We may... Who knows? We might have a few cleanup exegesis as we go along. That always ends up happening. But like if you were preaching on this psalm, one of the ways I put it sometimes for a first time guest is to say, all right, bulletins are already printed. This was the psalm that they were going to preach on. And you're filling in last minute. You know, good, a friend got sick. You got a, you know, you got a couple days to prep and the, the, the text is already assigned. Where would you where would you go with it? What's your what's your hunch that you'd run with? Not well, fully th- cooked, but just, you know. John, I think I would have to go back to what we just talked about earlier, the 8, 11, and 13 sequence that you have there. Listen, but you're not listening. Oh, I wish you would listen. Makes I'm the old standard three point yeah, sermon. Yeah, and yeah. so it kind of it three points floats, in a poem, and here's the poem. Right? <laughs> you've got it. You've got a poem. Uh hard to put that first passage. Uh, I think one of the translations that I looked at said celebration and consecration, kind mm. of celebration, two C's. It would be hard unless you were just walking in a kind of walking through the text to get from that first section into the second. So I probably would go into the second section and talk about it's It's beautiful in the way it, he starts with that introduction in six. Look, I helped you in the past. Mm-hmm. Now, would you just listen to me? But why? <laughs> But you don't listen to me. And if you would listen to me, this is promise. So there's something of history, past history, mm-hmm. present situation, future promise. Yeah, yeah that, yeah. that you could come to the end if you would listen. It's kind of like the Chronicles passage, if my people who are called by my name, etc., is is echoed in here. I'm intrigued. We, we It's not part of the sermon, but that verse 12, so he gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart. Is echoing so much mm. Paul in Romans chapter one. Remember right. where people, you know, they, they All right, worshipped other gods, and so God gave them over to to this kind of uh, thinking. There is a place where God does not force us to listen; He asks us to listen. Yeah, and that almost perfectly sets up. I mean, that I mean, thinking if you would use the if you had these three points, if you would think of it as. Sort of three. What's beautiful? What the best kind of three-point sermons are three sides of one. Right. Yeah. One listen, triangle. Listen, right. Yeah. 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 So the whole point is to listen, to hear, to pay attention. So how you would get from the second to the third? And for me, I find that I mean, now this is just kind of Uncle John talking about how I preach, but like <laughs> people ask me, like, do you manuscript out? I'm like, no, I'm I'm kind of more conversational style, mm-hmm. but I do compose, and that's the term I use because I don't. I usually just write it in my right. journal enough time and workshop it and get it just right. And then I don't need to look at it, but I compose my transitions. I tell people that I compose my transition. I always have an exact okay. line that I've composed. That's maybe a neat. couple yeah. sentences, yeah. maybe just one to, cause it's when you go from point to point, that's when you lose people 
because that's when you look down Unless at your you notes. Do. And that's when yeah. you look down at your notes. That's when they check out. So if I can find a way to, as I'm wrapping up and it's time to move to the next point, if I can pause, deep breath, look them straight in the eye and have that, that transition ready to go, then I can get to my next point. And you don't have and to I'll say, and this is my second point. Exactly. If you have a clear transition. I mean, even in this sum. So I would be able to that. use that because there's a question. And sometimes I'll use questions. Yeah. I'll formulate a question that gets me from each point to, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that each point is is the answer to a question raised by the previous point. You know what yeah. I mean? So so I think from two to three, you could you could reference 12 here to say, now, okay, we didn't heed his voice. We don't heed his voice. Well, why doesn't God just speak louder? Why doesn't he just like <laughs> grab us by the lapels, you know, and sure. make us obey? Well, you know, because in fact, God longs for us to obey. Sure. You know, he wants us to want to be provided for by him. He wants us to be in this relationship of listening That's right. and singing back. I feel like the singing in the opening you could refer to throughout that that's this part of song. our response yeah. to his voice. Okay. And, and it also works most, most modern, you know, at least low church service, low church worship services start with a bunch of songs. Yeah. And so you could kind of very easily kind of say, oh, so we already yeah, did yeah. the first couple of verses. <laughs> we already been bayin' on that. We've been praising, but now it's the worship, time to listen. worship team's finished. Now. We've spoken. Now it's time to listen. That would um, work. Yeah. Not just to me, your preacher, but to really hear from God right now. What is he saying? What is his longing? And the longing of his heart is for us to listen to him, to hear him, oh, to obey job, him. David. Yeah, because you've got this sing to joy. Okay, everybody's into it. But wait a minute. I mean, you're doing all the talking. Now it's time for you to listen mm-hmm. and hear what God has to say, which is what typically happens in a worship service. We start with adoration to God, and then we turn and say, all right, now we want to hear what God. And this always feels backwards to me, but this psalm actually, this, <laughs> this psalm kind of justifies it a little that bit. Kind of thing, yeah, for where we go. It's a good, good move there. I like those three hears and the fact that it is the same word, Shema. And I mean, if you, depending on your audience, if you wanted to, you know, if you've ever referenced that famous passage from Deuteronomy 6, or if you just wanted to do a little side teaching on that. I mean, that is just exactly verses eight through 10 are basically Deuteronomy in three verses. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. So it's pretty natural moment to talk about what does it mean to really be. And I uh, like people of God called to listen, called to hear, talk about how this was written and put in a little, you know, yeah. What's that called? A mezuzah that's on the the side of the door. yeah. 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 So like, I mean, there's a little bit of if you're already a Deuteronomy 6 geek, you can just grab that. If you're not, I'd say, hey, go look that up and learn a little bit about it, because that would be a natural way to fill out that first point, yeah. that this is just who we are. This is and our if identity. There, if there weren't a verse 16, this, this would be a downer at the end. <laughs> you know, it goes into uh, those who hate the Lord would pretend obedience, etc. I would make their punishment forever. But he he throws in this, Asaph throws in this wonderful last verse, but but I would feed you with the finest wheat. I would give you cinnamon mm. buns and ice cream. I mean, it's just <laughs> the it. kind of way to end the message that brings the congregation back to, to verse 6. Uh, I'm sorry, to verse 8. Hero Israel, the Lord our God. I'm a, my dad was a beekeeper, John, and oh. you never find honey in a rock in, uh-uh. in our situation. Bee trees, yes. Yeah. Because bees have to find a place where they're. I wonder if in a more arid space, like 
Yep. There's you no know. tree. If there's no if there's no bee tree, which takes a large tree with a hollow hole yeah. in it kind of thing. So you'd go back in a crevice of a rock where the That's rain. That's what that would be, like a cavern be, or a, yeah. wouldn't get rained on. And then somebody goes in there and sticks their hand Ugh. in and pulls out the honey, honey from the rock. There was a devotional written a number of years ago. I remember a devotional book in my library called Honey from the Rock. And it would be Psalm 81 that they, they got. That's I mean, sweet stuff. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I wonder if it means, I mean, so there's at least two ways of looking at it. One way is God summons us to listen, having no other gods. And then from that come these sort of extrinsic rewards yeah. of weed and honey. And that's not false. That's true. But I wonder if there's also an element of as it were, obedience as its own reward. Is there a sense in which wow. the honey and the, 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 the weed and honey, you know, at its are heart the, just the, is listening the to the word. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah. I'm thinking of of Jesus' quote from also from Deuteronomy, I think chapter four, maybe six, but it's close it's really close to six, when Jesus quotes Deuteronomy in the desert and says, Man does not no, live no, by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the father's mouth and whatever your whatever you believe about the composition of Deuteronomy uh its association with these kind of later this later yep. period where obedience is in some sense its own reward yes you obey i'll bless you you disobey i'll curse you but on another si- side there's an invitation to just love listening to the word this becomes obedience an identifying is its own reward yeah and yeah. I, again i wouldn't i wouldn't choose between one of those two i would just recognize that is there some sense in which just these foreign words of God, remember back to the beginning yeah. we were saying how he's this yeah. kind of foreign tongue, this strange, is a little like this, this honey from a rock, right? It's a little dangerous. It's a little strange. It's hidden away. It's a little dangerous. There's bees around. <laughs> it's not easy to get to. Yet, right. right? <laughs> but just to hear the word of God is like honey, yeah. you know? And a very positive kind of end. And I mean, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's not a throwing guilt at the end. It's it's an invitation to, to move forward rather than scold, right. a scolding because you didn't listen. No, this is a firm but not a scolding yeah. psalm. It's ultimately a hopeful, hopeful word. Yeah. Well, I can't help but bring it to a close right now because we just started having these drums outside <laughs> our window. Although it's kind of – normally I'd be really annoyed, but it's so perfect because – Yes, verse two. Yeah, I know. It's like all about beating the drum. Be- I don't know if it's bleeding. I don't know if it's bleeding onto the recording. Uh, if it is, alas, that's it's how a drum go. Group, a bugle corps that's rehearsing right outside <laughs> right. our window right now. So we'll uh, listen to them. John, this has been great. Oh, thanks, bud. It was not, so great not just to be here. with you, but to be with this word. To do, to be with you in the word is a it's is a, a unique treat. kind of experience. I'm, I'm treasuring this. Special to me too. Honey so from the rock. So there you go. <laughs> Well, thanks, Bud, so much for your time. Thanks to all our listeners, as always. Uh, thanks to uh, Todd and Eric and the production team. We appreciate what you do. Can't imagine doing this show without you. Thanks to Tom Adamson for donating the theme music. And thanks to all our supporters of the show. If you'd like to become a, a patron saint and support the show, just go to patreon.com slash and you can see ways of supporting the show there. And with that, we say have a good preach and a great week. Hey. Bye-bye. <laughs>